The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. You are listening to your final group stage preview for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Tomorrow, we will be dropping a future show looking at the outright winner's market, along with other props such as top goal scorer. But this is your final episode covering the groups. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode because we will be dropping an episode every 48 hours covering every single game from Qatar 2022. Also, follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account. It's at LockBettingCom. That's at LockBettingCom. The pin tweet on that Twitter account is always the PL from the previous month over at lockbetting.com. And that service has delivered 113 months in a row of transparent track profit. You can sign up in time for the World Cup. That's where I'll be posting all of my official futures and all of my plays. So I will be breaking down every single game here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, but I will not be giving out locks. I'll be posting all of my plays on the lockbetting.com site. So moving on with the last two remaining groups that we need to cover, we begin with Group G, and this is the group that features Brazil. Brazil are the 4-1 plus 400 favourites to win this entire competition, and this is largely down to their squad depth. I've spoken about this before. This, in my opinion, isn't down to the Brazil first 11, but more so down to the fact that they can rotate almost every single player other than probably Neymar and Casemiro. But every other player is interchangeable here, even when you look at the goalkeeper situation with Edison being able to replace Allison. When you look out wide and you look at how important a player like Vinny Jr. is for Real Madrid, scoring the winning goal in the Champions League last season, he is not guaranteed to start here for this Brazil team. So it's down to the squad depth in addition to the ability to adjust to the climate, which is an advantage that I believe that South American teams like Brazil, Argentina and Uruguay have in this competition that makes Brazil the favourites. They have the combination of players playing at all the top clubs in Europe. They have cover in every single position. They have world-class players on the pitch and they are a South American team able to adjust to these conditions in Qatar because I hear a lot of people talking about the fact that it's been moved to the winter. 
well, the winter in Qatar is not the winter that it is in the UK or in somewhere like New York in the US. It's still a pretty hot winter. So the games being played during the day are still going to be played under very hot conditions and it's important to be able to adjust to it. And this is the advantage that both Brazil and Argentina have going into this competition. As we move on to actually look at the odds for Group G, we will see that Brazil are the two to five favourites to win the group. It's five to one on Switzerland. It's 11 to two on Serbia and it's 16 to one here on Cameroon. The qualification odds see Brazil at 1 to 16. It's even money plus 100 here on Switzerland. It's 11 to 10 on Serbia and it's 7 to 2 here on Cameroon. If we look at the straight forecast market, this is for a team to finish first and a team who will finish second with them. Brazil first, Switzerland second is available at 2 to 1. With Brazil first and Serbia second, narrowly here at nine to four, narrowly the second favourite in the market. Brazil first, Cameroon second is at 11 to two. The first combination of Brazil not winning the group is Switzerland first, Brazil second at 15 to two. Serbia first, Brazil second at eight to one. Cameroon first and Brazil second is at 22 to one. And the first combination without Brazil in the top two is Serbia and Switzerland at 22 to 1 and then Switzerland and Serbia at 22 to 1 also with Serbia first Cameroon second 33 to 1 Switzerland first Cameroon second 33 to 1 Cameroon to win the group with Serbia second 50 to 1 and Cameroon to win the group with Switzerland second at 50 to 1 also the dual forecast market which is the top two teams to qualify in any order sees Brazil and Switzerland as the narrow favourites at 11 to 8 with Brazil and Serbia at 6 to 4 Brazil and Cameroon is available at 5 to 1 with Serbia and Switzerland at 12 to 1, that's the first combination without Brazil. Cameroon and Switzerland 25 to 1, and Cameroon and Serbia at 28 to 1. And we look at the first last combination here because there is a clear favourite, which you probably gathered from the way that the markets were shaped. Brazil first, Cameroon last at 64 plus 150. Brazil first, Serbia last 4 to 1, and Brazil first, Switzerland last at 4 to 1. Everything else is 9 to 1 or bigger. So obviously Brazil, clear favourites to win this group because they are the tournament favourites. This is actually a difficult group and I think what we're going to see in a lot of these games, particularly in the games that involve Brazil, are teams setting up very, very defensively against them with a low block and they're going to say to the likes of Neymar and Richarlison, break us down come and break us down. If you can, come and break us down because that's going to be the job of Brazil and these world-class players. And quite frankly, they are used to it. They do play friendlies all around the world, all year round. Not not very, not very often do they play games in Brazil other than when they go through the South American qualifying process. So they are used to teams playing like this. Even in friendlies, teams understand that it's the great Brazil. You see those great yellow shirts turning up. They represent history. They represent historical players like um, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Pele. So obviously you want to put in a good performance. Everybody raises their game against Brazil. So they are used to breaking these teams down. So whereas I do think they will maybe have a, a nil-nil in this competition, perhaps a one-nil. I do ultimately think they'll do enough to win this group. I expect them to pick up at least seven points and to win it. Brazil have won every single group in every World Cup that they've been in, dating back to 1978. 
So before I was born. So every World Cup contested in my lifetime to feature Brazil has seen Brazil win their qualifying group. So I'm expecting nothing different here at all. I'm expecting Brazil to win this group. What I will say is what I've already said is it won't be as easy as people think in terms of Brazil steamrolling these teams, 3-0, 4-0, get your money on a golden boot winner who's going to rack up goals in this group. It's not going to be like that against Serbia, Switzerland, or even Cameroon. Cameroon are an African team. They know how to defend. We saw all the unders in the African nations. We saw a Switzerland team who are very competitive, knocked France out of Euro 2020. And in Serbia, you have a team who qualified top of their group in a group that featured Portugal. So this is no easy ride for Brazil. So if you fancy them to win the competition, I don't think there's a a case for you to get on that now immediately in order to secure this price. I don't think Brazil are going to qualify with a 100% record having tonked all these teams and the price of Brazil at 4 to 1 plus 400 is going to move somewhat before the round of 16. I think it's going to be pretty much in the same place because I don't think people are going to be sure about Brazil. I don't think they're going to be particularly convincing. I think their wins are going to be 1-0, 2-0. I think Brazil on the money line with the under 4.5 goals or even under 3.5 half goals tacked on or maybe maybe even Brazil to nil is a good way to go because I don't see teams trying to go toe-to-toe with them. I think teams are going to sit in and give up around about 65% possession to Brazil in all of these games and it'll be a case of if Brazil can break them down or if their opponents can nick something on the counter-attack or via a set piece and make things even more difficult for Brazil and instead of defending with their midfield and their defence, you'll see attackers then coming in and sitting deep with a 10-man block. So that's going to be very interesting to see, although not particularly entertaining. I don't think Brazil are going to be allowed to be the great entertainers in this group stage. Ultimately, it still will be interesting and intriguing. And I think we have a very strong betting angle by taking Brazil on money lines with the unders tacked on, giving you a much better price rather than laying the juice on Brazil on the money line. Because if you look across at the um, at the futures for the World Cup matches, if you look at the futures prices that they've laid out, you'll see that you have to lay a load of juice on every single fixture involving Brazil and taking Brazil on the money line. And um, I would dissuade you from taking very, very big handicaps as well, because I'm not entirely sure Brazil would co- will cover them if it takes them 30 to 45 minutes or even longer to break down these teams who are setting up with this low defensive block against them in every match that they play. So moving on to who will qualify with them. This is a very, very tough group. You cannot underestimate Serbia. They beat out Portugal in their qualifying group. Portugal are a team, obviously, who are favoured to do very, very well in this competition. They are stacked across the board in every position. But Serbia won that group. And one of the things that they did in that group was they defended very, very well. They're a very tough defence to penetrate. They're not that adventurous. And when you look at the players that they have, when you've got Mitrovic from Fulham and Vlajevic of Juventus, you would argue that perhaps they should be a little bit more adventurous. But this isn't probably the group to try it in because you're coming up against teams who can defend. So Serbia don't want to be hit on the counter-attack by the likes of Cameroon and Switzerland. Ultimately, I do think that their attacking quality does give them the edge over both of the other two teams here in this group. When you do have Vlajevic and you do have Mitrovic, I believe that gives you more goals in your team, which does give you the edge over all the other teams in this group that can defend. 
I think across the board, there's creativity there as well. When you're looking at Milinkovic-Savic of Lazio, you're looking at Dusan Tadic of Ajax. You even have the option of bringing on Luka Jovic, who's now at Fiorentina, but was signed by Real Madrid after a number of good seasons as the front man at Frankfurt. He was signed by Real Madrid. Didn't work out for him there. He's gone back to Fiorentina, but this is a player who can play. This is a player who can put the ball in the back of the net. And they do have these players along with competent defenders. So for me, I lean Serbia here. I like the strength of their squad. Obviously, in Switzerland, you have a team who have more experience. You have a team who knocked out France at the Euros, coming back from a goal down. They have players who you'll recognise as well. When you're looking at Xhaka of Arsenal, when you're looking at Akanji, who plays at the back for Manchester City. What was worrying for me, I know it was only a friendly, but a couple of days ago, they lost 2-0 to Ghana. And that kind of tells me that they're struggling to adjust to the heat. That kind of does show you that the African nations do have an edge. And uh, other teams have managed to cope with it. We've seen Portugal play a game. They managed to win comfortably. But Switzerland, they did not look good against Ghana. They did play a lot of their first team players as well. So that's concerning. And that's another reason to give Serbia the edge. Of course, the African team in this group is Cameroon. I do think African nations do have an advantage here. But as we've been going through the group podcast, I haven't picked many of them to go through. In fact, my only lean, which is on Senegal, is actually not going to be an official play over at Lockbet. And I can tell you that now because I'm very, very hesitant to play them without Sadio Mane there. When you have the second best player in the world, according to Ballon d'Or voting, and he doesn't make it into the tournament, and that is your main attacking threat, it does put me off playing you as a future. So whereas I do think African nations do have the advantage, they won't be phased by the morning kickoffs. I haven't really picked any to do well in this tournament, even in this group, because of the depth that they have. I am picking Serbia as the team that I feel will go through with Brazil, with Brazil winning the group. And as I repeat, that is something that they've done in every World Cup in my lifetime. They've won every single group since 1978. And while I think they won't have it all their own way, it's difficult to see past them winning this group here. So that's going to be my main lean here for this group. Before we move on to covering Group H, the final group, let me take this quick time out to tell you guys about WinBet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Great promos, odds and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. If you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get a $100 free bet. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Now, the office subject to change. Terms and conditions available at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state where play-through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let me also tell you guys about the World Cup contest. We're brought to you by the SGPN World Cup free roll, which is offering $250 cash and a $250 gift certificate to the winner. 
enter today exclusively on the SGPN app. Make sure to check out the World Cup contest on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. That's our World Cup contest on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. And finally, let me take this quick time out to tell you guys about the SGPN merch store. Get your holiday shopping done early at the SGPN merch store. SGPN gear is the perfect stocking stuffer for the DGEN in your life. I wear loads of this stuff. Some of this stuff was sent to me four or five years ago, and it still looks fresh. That's because it is made by top sports manufacturers like Under Armour and Badger and North Face. So from now until Thanksgiving, you can get 10% off by using the promo code Dallas Sucks. So head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and use the promo code Dallas Sucks for 10% off. The final group we have to look at is Group H. This is a group where many are currently tipping an upset for Uruguay to topple the favourites Portugal. A lot of this is down to the Cristiano Ronaldo situation. Now, I'm going to talk about the entire Ronaldo situation over on the next episode of Bet MEFC. That's going to be a reaction to the Ronaldo interview. Over the last couple of days, Bruno Fernandes has come out to clear up the perceived issue between him and Ronaldo. There was a video that emerged where Ronaldo tried to shake Bruno's hand and Bruno gave him a a very, very soft handshake and then appeared to walk away from him, leaving Ronaldo with a boo-boo face. We also saw a video of Cancelo not really responding positively to Ronaldo during a training session. Bruno Fernandes has come out to speak about that. So we're going to listen to that audio clip where Bruno addresses the situation with Ronaldo. Bruno, can I ask you about uh, your relationship with Cristiano? And are you annoyed by any things he said in, in his interview? I didn't read the interview, so <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, as I said before, uh, now his national team is Portugal. And suggested that you gave him a bit of a cold shoulder in the dressing room on Monday. Why you say that? Because it, they put out footage, the uh, FA, and it, it looked like, because there was no sound, that you were a bit cross with the, They put the sound after. Did you did you hear with the sound? Ah, okay. You have to do it. Because what happened? You know, you know what's happened? He's like, in Portugal, we have a problem that I was watching one, uh, one of the channels that was talking about that, was cold, was bad, uh, for... 45 minutes all of a sudden they go in a break national team send with us with the sound the sound says that he's joking with me and so they they come back they said there was a joke and they cut there and they said if you want to see again just go back but if they, if they go back they will see that was a problem but if they told if they tell the the really true if they explain what was in that video people will know but now people doesn't know so as I said, this is national team. Manchester United will be my focus after the World Cup, after the 18th of December, because there is the final. And the f- you have no problem with it. I have no problem with anyone. I do my job, and uh, and, and is, is everything. Uh, one time, one manager said to me, "Everything that you can control is yourself." So uh, I think everyone thinks the same way. You have to control yourself, give your best, and that's it. So that does somewhat clear up the situation for me. I do believe that the the World Cup is too big to let egos take over, to let personal issues come in. These players get to play this once every four years. And you could even argue that club football has been weighed down and the World Cup is actually more important. I think the World Cup was more important when I was younger because um, you didn't get that much football on TV. And when the World Cup came along, you had football every single day. So it was a big deal. You look forward to it. But for the players, 
Perhaps they look more forward to the World Cup now. It's not a concern to them whether games are televised or not. It's just a case of them playing so many. You're constantly playing in the Champions League if you're a top player. You're constantly playing in league matches where you're either challenging for the league or trying to get into the Champions League. The pattern repeats over and over again and you're always on television. But the World Cup genuinely comes every four years. And despite the fact some people are trying to change it to every two years, giving um, countries like Saudi Arabia an opportunity to host it because they are in fierce competition with Qatar, it still currently remains a competition that is only played every four years. So I imagine it's very, very important to the players. I think the main problem with Ronaldo is the fact that he only fits into one system. And this is a system that Portugal are almost forced to play in order to accommodate a 37-year-old who's not as prolific as he was. Now, I can understand accommodating Ronaldo when he's scoring loads of goals. Juventus made a big effort to accommodate Ronaldo and it led to them winning the league title in the 2019-2020 season. However, the following year, we saw the effects of over-relying on Ronaldo. They did not get the contributions from other players from across the field and the contributions were watered down and Juve ended up finishing fourth with Inter Milan comfortably winning the league. Juve have not recovered from that. Juve are not challenging for the league again this season and last season they finished fourth again with AC Milan winning the league. So this season's going to be the third year in a row that Juve don't win the league and they're recovering from the Ronaldo problem a Ronaldo problem that Man United are dealing with because Man United finished second the season before they signed Ronaldo. And even though many will point to the fact he scored 18 league goals, United still finished sixth in the season where we had Ronaldo because it took goals away from other players. Because when you play Ronaldo, you need to change what you're doing. Manchester United were a very, very good counter-attacking team who had an incredible away record, a record-breaking away record. And everything went to pot when we had Ronaldo. Is that to say he's a bad player? No, he's not a bad player. Is he finished? No, he's not necessarily finished. Perhaps he's not as effective as he is at a top level. But when you reduce that effectiveness and the whole team are playing around you, it's a problem, especially when you're stacked with the talent that Portugal have because you have the option of playing another way. You have a Jao Felix. You have a Rafael Leal from AC Milan who's playing very well. You have a great creative player in Bruno Fernandes. You have Jao Cancelo. You have Diego Dello. You have Ruben Diaz at the back. You have quality world-class quality across the board and if you played differently stylistically you would probably give yourselves a better chance other than relying on a Ronaldo who isn't the Ronaldo that he was six or seven years ago where it would be worthwhile playing him he is of course the highest scoring international scorer of all time but at the moment it is a Ronaldo problem and it will surface during this competition will it surface during the group stage I'm not too sure This is a very, very tough group, but off the back of seeing how Portugal played yesterday, where they ripped Nigeria apart, that has kind of swayed me back to taking Portugal to win this group. Let's have a look at how it's priced up. Portugal are the 8-11 to favourites to win it with Uruguay as the second favourites at 2-1. to South Korea are at 9-1, to with Ghana, the outsiders, at 10-1. to Of course, we just mentioned Ghana are coming off a 2-0 win against Switzerland, where they looked very impressive. Portugal are 1 to 6, minus 600 to qualify from the group, with Uruguay at 1 to 2, minus 200. South Korea here are at 9 to 4, with Ghana here at 11 to 4. The straight forecast market sees Portugal and Uruguay as the favourites at 2 to 1, with Portugal first, Uruguay second. Uruguay first, Portugal second is at 10 to 3. Portugal first, South Korea second is at 5 to 1. Portugal first, Ghana second is at 7 to 1. 
Uruguay to win and South Korea second. The first combination without Portugal is 12 to 1. Uruguay first, Ghana second, 14 to 1. South Korea to win, Portugal second, 16 to 1. Ghana first, Portugal second, 18 to 1. South Korea first with Uruguay second, 20 to 1. Ghana top with Uruguay second, 25 to 1. Ghana first, South Korea second, 40 to 1. And South Korea first, Ghana second, also 40 to 1. Dual forecast market seized um, Portugal and Uruguay in any order at 10 to 11. To be honest, that's not a bad bet. We'll talk more about it in a minute. South Korea and Portugal in any order is at four to one. Ghana and Portugal in any order is at five to one. South Korea and Uruguay in any order without Portugal going through eight to one. Ghana and Uruguay at 10 to one. And finally, Ghana and South Korea in any order at 25 to one. First, last place, double. So he's Portugal first, Ghana second, five to uh, Ghana last, five to two. Portugal first, South Korea last, three to one. Uruguay first, Ghana last, five to one. Uruguay first, South Korea last, 11 to two. And everything else is bigger than nine to one. So this, I believe, is the real group of death because Ghana are definitely going to be competitive and they're considered the rank underdogs in this group. As for South Korea, they are a very, very hard-working team. And in Song, they have a world-class player. But with Song coming in with a broken orbital bone sustained in the last few weeks in the EPL, I believe that writes off their chances. I cannot see how that isn't going to be a massive distraction. I've never seen a player have that injury and just come back to football and be 100% and just be effective straight away. So... I believe that is going to be an issue for them because that is such a key player. I believe that writes off South Korea's chances. I do believe there's a chance that they will finish bottom due to the fact that I already mentioned that African teams, I believe, will adjust very, very well to the climate. Uh, one team that will also uh, adjust very well to the climate is Uruguay. I think all the South American teams are going to be strong here. But for me, it's between Uruguay and Portugal to win the group. So everybody knows who Portugal have in their lineup and in their squad, but not many people know too much here about Uruguay. Uruguay are still picking the likes of Cavani, Luis Suarez and Godin in their squad, but they have other players around them here who can make a big difference and really mount a challenge here for Uruguay. In Ronald Arroyo of Barcelona, you have cover for playing Godin because you have a very, very fast defender who can get back in cover. In uh, Jose Maria Jimenez of Atletico Madrid, you have a player who's played in the Champions League over and over and over again every single season. In uh, Benton Kerr of Tottenham, you have a playmaker who's arrived at Tottenham and who's made a massive difference. He's an automatic player on the Tottenham team sheet. In Lucas Torreira, you have a holding midfielder. It didn't work out for him at Arsenal, but he is still very, very good at his job. He's the horrible type of player you don't want to play against. In Federico Valverde of Real Madrid, you have one of the most highest rated midfield players in the world. And he's obviously going to be a difference maker in this competition. And in Darwin Nunes of Liverpool, you of course have an £85 million striker in your team. This team are dangerous and they are definite contenders. And for me, I don't really want to make a pick on who wins this group, but I really do like the play of both Uruguay and Portugal to qualify in any order being available at the price of 10 to 11. Now, I'm not giving out locks on these podcasts. As I said, all of my official players are over at lockbetting.com, but I do solidly believe that Uruguay and Portugal will both be too strong for this group, despite the fact it's labelled as a group of death. I do think every single game is going to be competitive, whether you're playing South Korea or Ghana, but I do believe the game between Uruguay and Portugal will 
decide this group and Uruguay who aren't relying on Cavani and Suarez anymore with these new additions like Valverde and Darwin Nunes I believe are going to be very very strong in this World Cup and when you're looking at um when you're looking at Brazil's group, Brazil aren't going to have an easy game in the round of 16. If they win their group, they're either going to play Portugal or Uruguay. So that in itself makes it very, very difficult for Brazil, along with coming out of a more difficult group. It's very, very different to Argentina. I can see Argentina sailing through their group with a 100% record. And then if they can avoid France, they'll be playing against Denmark. Not an easy game, but a game that you would expect them to win. Of course, if Denmark win the group, then Argentina Argentina are suddenly lumbered with France, a team who knocked them out of the last World Cup, something they'll wish to avoid. But for Brazil, I don't think it gets any easier after coming out of the group. In fact, it gets harder playing either Portugal or Uruguay in the round of 16. As for Portugal, many people will be familiar with the quality that they have. Just looking through their team, when you look at the choice of goalkeeper, Rui Patricio, a top quality goalkeeper with hundreds of caps, may be kept out by Diogo Costa, the goalkeeper of Porto. They have Jao Cancelo of Man City, Diego Dallo of Man United, Ruben Diaz of Manchester City, Danilo of Paris Saint-Germain, Rafael Guerrero, Borussia Dortmund, Nuno Gomez of PSG, who's made the left-back spot his own. They still have Pepe, 39 years old in their squad, and he'll probably start. And William Carvalho, you have a player who can protect your defense, in Bruno Fernandes, you have a solid creative playmaker. In Ruben Neves, you have another player who can uh, protect your defence. In Renato Sanchez, you have another quality holding midfield player from Paris Saint-Germain who can protect your defence. You have Bernardo Silva of Manchester City, another creative player. You have Jao Felix who can open up your defence. You have uh, Rafael Leal of AC Milan who's coming in in red-hot form. And of course, you have Cristiano Ronaldo. I believe that they will start with Ronaldo, with um, Bernardo Silva, Fernandez, and possibly Jao Felix behind them with uh, Neves and Carvalho protecting the back four, where I think Pepe will start alongside Ruben Diaz. This is a very, very strong team. On paper, they are a contender. But as I said, they do have problems to deal with stylistically in terms of having to accommodate Ronaldo, even the Portuguese fans. It's not just the Man U fans. Some of the Portuguese fans have turned on Ronaldo. He spoke about that in his interview. But what he fails to recognise is that he's not delivering at the same level. He's not owed a position on the pitch. We'll talk about that on BetMUFC when we break down this Ronaldo situation. And what subsequently happened is the fans are turning on Fernando Santos, the coach of Portugal. This is a man who's been there long term. He's Portugal's longest serving and most successful manager. He won Euro 2016. He's won the Nations League before for Portugal. But ultimately, that isn't enough here for supporters to grow frustrated with the style. They believe that Portugal should be doing better. They believe there's a massive array of talent. And look, listen, we've just broken it down and there is. There is unbelievable bags of talent. And once Cristiano Ronaldo retires, they will continue to do well in competitions. This is no longer the Ronaldo show. And this is probably going to be as large. World Cup, but ultimately, I do believe the insistence on playing him will be the uh, thing that costs him the World Cup, unless there is a point in this competition where Portugal are managing to go through and they realise that it's nothing to do with Ronaldo.
Ronaldo and they decide if we want to continue in this competition, then we need to stop trying to accommodate Ronaldo. We've managed to get this far so far without him doing that much. But now is the time where we need to be 100%. We need to completely think about the team. We need to put out the best lineup to win the game, like Manchester United have done, like Manchester United did against Tottenham, against Arsenal, against Liverpool. All three of those big wins this season came without Cristiano Ronaldo because Eric Ten Hag made the decision that Manchester United were better off and in order to win these games, they needed a forward that can press and they needed to break with pace. And I don't know if that's going to be the case during this competition, uh, but it could be that Fernando Santos himself needs to make this decision in order for Portugal to continue to progress in this competition. He may come up against a team where... They don't play with Cristiano Ronaldo in order to overcome that hurdle. So Portugal are going to be another fascinating team to watch. I think Uruguay are definitely a dark horse coming out of this group. I don't think people are familiar with the bags of talent that Uruguay have. Certainly not casual soccer fans who uh, who may be surprised to see Uruguay doing well in this competition. Not for me. They have bags and bags of talent. They have that combination of the old guard who are just about to exit with the new guard coming through and making a difference, playing for top clubs all across Europe. We're looking at Darwin Nunes and Valverde being regular Champions League players and being top players here for Uruguay. They certainly have a chance of doing well in this year's tournament. So that's it for me and all of your group stage previews. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.